Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. I'm Louise Cooney and this is my brand new podcast, Open Book, where each week I sit down with well-known personalities for honest conversations about life and the stories that shape it. My guest this week is the amazing Irish author, Cathy Kelly, who chats about body acceptance, moving into a very new stage in her life and her all-time favourite books. So today we have Cathy Kelly here with us and I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so excited. It's just completely fantastic. So Cathy was one of our first authors on the the book club podcast, or sorry, the book club Zoom that we used to do. Yes, I uh, loved that. That was so wonderful. I really loved that. You know what? It was just a, a lovely way to engage. And I just remember how like fun you were to have on and just the chats we were reading what was it, Other Women at the time? Yes. 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 And we loved it. We absolutely loved it. But Cathy has a new book, which was released this week, The yes. Wedding Party. So exciting. You've sold millions of books all around the world. You're a number one bestseller in the UK, Ireland and Australia. And you're known for your warm and witty Irish storytelling about modern life. But you always have an uplifting message, I find, as well in your books. And I love that you focus on female characters, strong female characters. So that's, I think, why I'm always drawn to your books. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. I think women are so strong. And I always write about women and friendships and how we we mind each other, because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's so important. In the world of books, you know, when people interview you, people often want to say, well, and do you and the other authors, do you fight? And I just go, no, we love each other. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a wonderful thing for women to support each other. Absolutely. And that's the way forward. And I know that's the way you think too. So. Absolutely. Even on the podcast so far, it's been all women. And somebody asked me the other day, well, was this on purpose? I'm like, God, no, I must have a, a man on soon. Yeah, let, let's get a bloke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe not for the moment. <laughs> there's just so many amazing Irish authors. And obviously as a, as a woman, I'm kind of drawn to female authors. But, you know. But you could, you know, you could have lovely Catherine Hyde who writes thrillers, you see, so you can go at different mm, areas. Totally. See, there you go. Yes. We could just keep it on Alex Barkley. There's there's so many. Andrea Maris coming <gasps> on soon. I love oh, her thrillers. Absolutely fantastic, mm-hmm. you see. And we have Rosanna Davison who writes oh, about something completely differently. I know. You know so, sorry, completely different, you know, and I think that's just going to be an amazing listen as well. Totally amazing. But today we're going to start off with some quick fire. Okay, quick fire. I'm then, ready for this. <laughs> and then we'll move into some kind of more in-depth questions. So let's go. So what is your favourite genre? That's a tricky one. Um, you know what? When I'm, it, it, there's two answers to this. When I'm writing, I can never read my own genre. Mm-hmm. So I will read a lot of thrillers, actually, okay. and a lot of nonfiction. Um, but I, you know, I love a good murdery sort of thing. And a lot of women do. I know it's scary. There's a writer called um, Sue Grafton and her first book was written, um, A is for Alphabet. She wanted to figure out how you could kill someone because she, at the time, felt, I'm just using the word felt here, felt like killing her husband. So uh, she, <laughs> she didn't kill him. She wrote books instead. So I love that. Um, and then I, I love women's writing, the sort of writing I do. I love that. Yes, me too. Paperback, hardback or Kindle? Ooh, tricky. Um, I was given a Kindle uh, by publishers about eight years ago and I was going, I don't want to see this thing. It's dreadful. I hate it. I love a book. And it is completely brilliant. So I... I love the Kindle, but um, I also buy um, hardbacks because I are a big 
backs. I basically I buy everything. Mm-hmm. So and if I really want to keep it forever and ever, I have to go out and, and, and buy a big book and put it away in my special shelves. I have a lot of books in my house though, Louise, like a lot of books. Is it like a library? It is like a library. I'm sort of donating them now to, you know, I go to the Vincent de Paul and everyone I go, books, here's take some books. I know. I I've moved every year for the last couple of years. And I look at my collection of books and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, why do I do it to myself? I know, but you see something and you want and you get it and you're in the bookshop and you go, but this, I must read this. And suddenly uh-huh. your to be read pile is getting bigger. And then there's the guilt with not reading. Yes. The, the plan is to stay put for the moment so that I can continue okay. the... That's really, really brilliant. <laughs> Actually, do you know one of the things I've read recently is the latest Ashling book. Oh my God. Oh, I haven't read that yet. It's oh, good. Oh, those girls are just so, or those women, I should say, are just so amazing. It's so funny. I love them. They're so funny. Uplifting. Our next quick fire, dog ear or bookmark? Oh, bookmark. Dog ear. Goodness, I I know I hate that. I remember once <laughs> the boys, uh, my sons uh, turning down and I was like, oh, you can't do that. This is a dreadful thing. Oh no, bookmark. But I use anything. I, I quite often use receipts because for, you know, yeah, I always have receipts lying around. So I'll bung a receipt in. Or I do have bookmarks, but I can never find them. Uh, <laughs> Saver or devourer? Oh, books. Um... I devour. I'm a very quick reader. I can read five books a week, no problem. Really? Oh, yeah. Always? Yeah, pretty much always, yeah. Do you ever go through a phase of kind of being slow at the reading? Or? Sometimes, if I'm very tired, mm. only if I'm very tired, I just have to, yeah, I, I read very quickly. Okay, and if you are loving a book, this is our last quick fire, or if you're hating a book, would you finish it or feck it? Like if you're if you're not oh, into it. If I'm not into it, I will absolutely feck it. And it's it's weird because for years I would make myself go to the bitter end. And now I think, do you know what? Life is too short to keep reading something that is not engaging you. And I will just put it down. I won't diss it to anyone, but I'll put it in my, let's send this off to the charity shop. You know, I don't have the time to, to keep going. Mm, I like that. I mean, mm. I think life is too short. Yeah. I know you didn't start off writing books, but I know you were always a big reader. What's your first memory of books? My first memory is we had this little red setter and I used to sit in her um, basket and read to her. And I remember my my brother was was, uh, having so much fun at school. He wasn't um, reading, doing the alphabet. He's two years older than me. And the teacher said to my mother, you know, Francis isn't, um, and he's gorgeous and he's fabulous, but he's not really learning anything. So, and my mother was like, what? He doesn't. And she'd been a teacher. So um, she was started doing the A's for apple, B's for balloon, T's for cakes, D's for, I don't know, duck. So um, I got the book and I, that is one of my first memories is sitting in the dog's bed reading the A's for apple, B's for balloon. Yeah. And that that was it. How old were you, do you think? I was three. Three. Oh my God. I know. I was I was annoying. But that, I think it was just because I heard it and I've just, I'm in tune to language. I, we, I mean, we all have different things we're in tune to. So from then on, I would sit in the dog's basket and I would read everything, horsey books, you know, um, Little House on the Prairie. Oh my God, I remember those books. They were just so fabulous, weren't they? And they were gorgeous. They were very pretty books. They were very pretty. Little House in the Big Woods where they're, you know, they they used to get every part of the the pig. They'd butcher a pig and the only thing they didn't use was the squeal. This was the thing. I mean, this was total survivalism, really. Loved those books. Um, 
gosh, what else? Uh, Anne of Green Gables, Ina Blyton, and you know everybody now says you know Ina Blyton, dreadful, awful. And of course they're they're racist, they're classist, they're everything. But when you're a kid and there's nothing else, you just read everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought school was going to be like the the, the Ina Blyton school books. <laughs> yeah, it so wasn't, and it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> was there a literary character growing up that you? found yourself most like or thought you were most like I think and I've heard a lot of writers say this I loved Joe from Little Women oh my god yes actually you're not the first person to say yeah. that on this podcast there's something about it because she was um, I was very much a tomboy and she was a she was a tomboy and she wanted to write and she used to lock herself away and write these great works of marvellousness so yeah I um, I, I loved loved Joe and I could I, I Really, every time I reread that book, I, Little Women, I was devastated that she didn't end up with Laurie. I was very cross with Amy mm. for having gone off with him. And if anyone hasn't read it, I've just ruined it on you. But yeah. You're going to not like me for this. I've actually never read it. <gasps> but it is, it's completely wonderful. I think it's a book of, in the sense that, you know, you're so much younger than me. Your birthday is two days after mine. You're the 14th. Oh, yes. I'm the 12th. Yes. You're so much um, younger than me. So I think when I was growing up, I'm I'm going to be 56 in September. So there really, there wasn't young adult fiction or there yes. wasn't teenage fiction. So it was quite limited. So I think the experience of people of my age growing up or people in their 40s is is a different group of, of books. So therefore, mm-hmm. you would have had so much more choice. Yes, you know? there is a lot of choice now and I kind of know exactly what I like. And it's, maybe it's a bad thing because I feel like I'm quite picky with what I like, you know. No, but you know what? That's okay. We're, we're allowed to yeah, be picky. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky that we have that choice We're now. lucky that we have that choice and it's, and it's wonderful. I remember going to the libraries growing <sighs> up and I like I know I heard you on the radio yesterday. You said you had three different memberships to library. That's crazy. Three different. Listen, I found some books from Dunder Library <laughs> the other day, which I thought had belo- were belonging to the house. So I have to bring them back. I am so ashamed. It was always a big shame in our house because we always had so many library books. It was like working out which ones came to which library. But um, yes, oh, and you get wonderful things in libraries. You know, my yeah. my big thrill. I was such an exciting person. Was that you? You weren't supposed to join the grown up library until you were fifteen, but I was using my mom's grown up tickets from when I was about ten, and when I was twelve, they let me join the grown up library. And oh my I, god! That was the wildest thing I ever did. I that's was just so wild. That's funny because I was <laughs> chatting to Louise O'Neill about this. I and she, love her. She was an early reader yes. as well, so she was allowed to read more advanced books for her age. So I was like, wait, does that mean you were allowed like read what you were into? I'd watch on TV. She was like, mm-hmm. Like sometimes she'd read things and be like, I shouldn't be reading them. Completely. Oh my <gasps> goodness. I have a story from school about that, but we won't go into it. It wouldn't be suitable. In the story of your life, what has been the biggest plot twist? I think becoming a mom has been the biggest plot twist because when I was pregnant, I was this sort of, you know, woman who was, I'd been a journalist. I always said I was going to make my own living. I mm-hmm. wasn't relying on anyone else. I was, you know, feminist and um, and I thought I, I so wanted to have children but I thought that I would be exactly the same but just with children and it's not like that it's mm. like this total you are taken up shaken plonked down and you're a different human being when you have children that is the biggest plot twist and suddenly you do not want to do anything but be with your kids and look after them everything changes that has been the most unbelievable plot twist and do you think that like as they get older and they become more independent that you kind of revert back to maybe the way you were before or that that stays forever that is a brilliant question I do you know what I don't know I think because you've changed so much I mean my sons are now 19 so you change so much 
um, that y- you've become a different person so that you're always going to be slightly different. And also, I think that whole empty nest thing is quite hard for a lot of people. Certainly it's going to be very hard for me because um, we're so close. But I have a career and I can sort of say I'll focus on that. Mm-hmm. And, and life is always changing. It's the only thing that's guaranteed is change. Yeah, I think you have to always, like even when you have kids, I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know, but I can't imagine not having anything else. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that would be so hard then when they leave or, you know. Oh, wait, exactly. I remember when the boys were, were like three um, a writer called Joanna Trollope wrote a book called Second Honeymoon which is about the empty nest syndrome mm. and I was reading it and I was crying going I can't read this book I don't think I finished it because it was so sad oh so I always knew it was going to be massive uh-huh. and it is but at the same point in the same way that it's like animals we have beautiful animals in our lives and they are there for a short time and then their beautiful little souls go off I, don't, I might cry in a minute I know I have me but, too but this you know with with children you are creating helping create a, a life for these beautiful people and you know I'm I'm so proud of Dylan and Murray the people that they are mm-hmm. and it's just they're, they're going to go off into the world and you know it's part of my job is to be able to to let them go and let them go with joy and happiness yeah and, um, and then I'll probably just write more books yeah and it'll be lovely to have them come back then and yes they'll, you know they'll, you'll know. probably notice these little changes every time they come back I know just incredible but they have the solid it? base to go out with so that's it they have the solid base yeah in this, in your life what has been your what book has been your biggest teacher that's very that's a very difficult question and I was really thinking about that in advance um, I think so many books teach you um, writing my first book Woman to Woman was a huge uh, teacher in that it 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 changed my life, so that was a huge thing because up to then I'd been someone who wanted to write, but I was a journalist, um, and then I moved on to having a career. Suddenly, I had a three book career, and my life changed utterly from that. Um, I'm sure it gave you a lot of confidence in your writing and in well, yourself. Yes and no, because I think it's an. I don't. I always say it's an inherent thing in writers to have this sort of. Gosh, am I doing this right? But um, so I think my confidence has grown as I've got old. As I've got older, um, but it's sort of hard to say because it changes all the time. I mean, at the moment, I'm reading well, rereading this book called Bird by Bird by this American writer called Annie Lamott. It's a sort of a memoir about writing, and it's just so wise and clever. So I think. When you read a lot, there are lots of different books that come into your life at times and give you great power. And then you move on and maybe the following year you get something else. Oh, interesting. Uh, what do you know about life that can't be learned in books? Oh, I think there's there are parts of love that you read in a book that you can, whether it's love for a partner or love for a child, that you can read about, but until you've experienced it, you don't know it. Mm. I actually really feel that. And suddenly then the the stories about children make sense or the stories about love make sense. Or it's like, you know, as somebody said, you know you're in love when when all the, the uh, love songs make sense on the radio. Mm. <laughs> so I think those things, they can't be learned. That said, I'm a big fan of books. I'm the woman who went into hospital to have twins with, and I brought three books with me and two mm-hmm. of them were about looking after your child. Mm-hmm. I always think a book 
That's why I liked Hermione so much in uh, Harry Potter, because I thought Hermione always had a book for every occasion. Mm-hmm. And she was like cool. She brought, you know, she made, I think, being that way cool. She made it so cool. I just loved her. And and isn't she just such a beautiful actress? And yes. such a lovely. Yes. I want to watch that now. Yeah, I know. I love those films. They're yeah. just so fabulous. So you spoke about listening to songs on the radio and knowing you're in love. What is the greatest love story ever told? That is a very tricky one. And I don't know. I think on one level, I remember. Um, when it was called the intercert rather than the junior cert, I studied um, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, which was so beautiful and, and works terribly well when you are, you know, 15 and star-crossed mm. lovers. And I think Juliet in in the in the actual play is only 14. Um, and this concept of the parents are keeping them apart and it's so very powerful. And then I won't ruin it all, but it doesn't end well. Um, <laughs> so that I think that was, that's an incredibly powerful powerful story mm. um a little toxic but you know <laughs> yeah a little toxic doesn't work i see all those i think you know depending on when you read things it's like reading wuthering heights and being sort of 17 and going god this is amazing and then years later going back to it and going well really you know heathcliff because my name is kathy i, I used to find a, a lot of young fellas at discos would say um, i'd be heathcliff when you know it's it's corny but this was back in the day and of course kate bush now everyone knows her from Stranger Things uh-huh. but Kate Bush was around and she had a big song you know uh, Heathcliff the Heathcliff song Wuthering Heights um, so the the Wuthering Heights story you know seemed wildly romantic and then when you look at it again in the cold clear light of day as an adult you go oh my god Heathcliff really mental health issues there you, you see it in a whole different I way know. I know yeah I often read things and I'm like like things that were written a couple of years ago or Yep, you know, 10 years ago, I'm like, I don't think we would frame it like that now, you know? Totally, totally. And yet, when you look at things that are that are written, you look at books that are written from a certain period and we are reframing things, but is it good that we reframe things or is it bad? I mean, I'm so interested in, partly from my work with, with UNICEF, but racism and the experience of people of different races and it's just absolutely devastating and I've I've read about um, you know we'll say Nazi Germany and I've read a massive amount about um, slavery in, in the US and how slavery the appallingness that, that mm. was slavery really ran the world economy for so long mm. um, so it's hugely important to, to read books about this and and sort of educate yourself yeah educate mm. yourself yeah, I mean, I haven't read a whole pile about that. I've seen a couple of movies. I find them really hard to watch. They are. And it I'd... makes me feel very lucky that we don't have to face that or deal with it. And it, it's just so unfair. It makes me hard to, it it's... makes it hard to understand how people are even like that, you know. I know. And to think that there are people, and there are still people who are, I mean, racist, basically. I mean, we, we yeah, I'm... <laughs> Astonishing. I I don't understand what what does it matter what your color is, what your religion is. It shouldn't matter, but it does unfortunately. And and I think sometimes I see it with with UNICEF in the sense that I I, I think people can assume that because people will say you know we would do a lot of work in Africa that people have different feelings because they they're they're of different color. And I'm going Are you nuts. We're all exactly the same. You know, mm. just because like I have a handbag that's you know that cost me 80 quid and the person I'm talking to 
doesn't have a handbag and is, you know, trying to look after her devastatingly sick child who's suffering from malaria. We're exactly the same. We just want our kids okay. And, and we, I think we couldn't even imagine it being us because it's so far from what we deal with, you know. I think that's perhaps part of the, the issue. Yeah. But we'll still find something to get out about. That's, that's us, isn't it? Like, we're so yeah. incredibly lucky, but I think it's all, it is all relative, like, at the same time, isn't yes, it? Yes, Absolutely. Um, speaking of love stories, before you told us the greatest love story ever told, what about the greatest love story never told? Every day is full of these wonderful little individual love stories. Mm-hmm. I people watch a lot and you'll see some lovely couple, some elderly couple, and they'll be walking together and they're minding each other. And I think that is they're the love stories that are that are never told. These people who've been together a long time and mm-hmm. love each other and take care of each other. Yeah. That's just, that's so precious. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the greatest love stories are probably not told because it's those moments, it's those little things that you don't see or you don't share. You don't, Exactly, you, you don't know. see or you don't share. And I think when you're younger, you think love stories are for young people but actually there's something lovely and enduring about that seeing that lovely little couple walking along together mm-hmm. and minding each yes. other it's so beautiful and when those little things are captured in books that's when it really gets me like sometimes I find myself crying at books you know yeah, like a lot too. of people I'm sure but I'm not a huge crier I'm like, what is it that set me off here, you know? And I think it's, you get to know like the flaws. Like, I think you do that really well as well. Thank you. You know, you, you, I always learn to love your characters, well, most of them, but there'll be parts of them, they're flawed, they're not perfect, they're, they have yeah. things wrong with them, they don't always act perfectly. But that's, and that's the human experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think the great thing that Louise O'Neill did with um, asking for it was she wrote about something really important um, a rape but she had a character who wasn't terribly likeable and that's massive I think that was so huge because the instinct is to go for make this person this really likeable person mm. whereas it's much more nuanced to have a person who isn't necessarily likeable and doesn't behave the way everyone expects and and that's really powerful and I love writing likeable characters, but also they've got to be nuanced. They've got to have good sides and bad sides. Mm. And in the wedding party, you know, the, there's a the, there's different sides to different people um, that, you know, the way we all are, we're all very complex and mm-hmm. it's so much fun writing that. Yeah, totally. And what would people be surprised to find on your bookshelf? <laughs> God, oh my gosh. I have so many weird stuff on my bookshelf, really. Um, I have this marvellous Desert Islandy survival guide. I was working with um, an editor once and uh, my actual editor was on maternity leave. So I was working with this wonderful woman called Anne O'Brien and she had she had edited a book by this guy who'd been a soldier and he'd written this survival guide. And I said, oh God, that sounds fabulous. You know, I, I'm just such a sucker in her of information. Mm. I'm like a sieve. So she said, oh, I'd get one for you. So she sent it to me. Honestly, it's the best thing, you know, and it's all about, you know, you, you get stuck and you need to, you know, build your shelter and you've got to have your water. And the only problem is every time I read it, I forget it. So um, there's a lot to it. So this is something he actually experienced. Yes, he, had, he, had, he was some sort of special force soldier so he'd written a, he'd written a book about it and it's fantastic it's a brick of a thing I mean if you were being burgled you could just hit someone with it but it's you know it's it's a great book and if ever I'm asked for my, my desert island book I would say that one oh. can I bring that one well, that makes sense yeah because then you'll know how to survive I know how to survive it I get off and then I can get to the library and my bookshelf and, and the bookshop so that's fine did you learn anything from it that you actually use 
Uh, not so far, but you, I'm I'm a big fan <laughs> of being prepared. I'm like I was never a girl guide, but I'm feel I'm prepared. Yeah. If you could take a leaf out of somebody's book, who would it be, and what would it be? Golly my gosh! Do you know? Actually, I was reading a very interesting thing in a newspaper this morning about a lady who uh, decided to become a yoga teacher age 60. And I thought, God, I'd love to do that. I know you're very into your yoga. I love all that stuff. So I thought um, that that'd be a great thing to do. But she had to go away and do 250 hours of yoga practice. So I was reading this going, hmm, how can I fit that in? (laughs) So I'm working through that. So that would be super fun. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that would be cool. And you know what? I, I actually do a little bit of yoga as well and I found Audible really good for listening to my books while I'm doing the yoga. Audible is absolutely one of the best mm. things, isn't it? I mean, it's it's just so joyous. I listen to Audible a lot in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way coming in I um, today, I was listening to, to a particular station and there was, um, there was a very sad bit about pets dying and I went, I can't listen to this. So I bunged on my Audible and I was listening to one of my great comforts is... Um, Jane Austen, uh, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yes, yeah. I read that for my Leaving Cert, actually. Yeah, I know. I did Persuasion for my Leaving mm. Cert, I know. Have you seen the new the new Persuasion on Netflix? It's actually No, really, I haven't. No. It's sweet. It's that lovely girl who was in Fifty Shades of Grey who's named totally Dakota Johnson. Oh, yes, yeah. But she's brilliant in it. But they've they've tweaked it around quite a lot. So, But it's very well done. It's And she is terribly gorgeous in What's it. What's it about? I haven't read um, it. So Persuasion is one of the ones about this woman. So they have really moved the story a bit. She's this woman and her family are and she's a sort of forgotten daughter and the her father and her sister are quite full of themselves and she was in love with this man but he was a he was a sailor and they went, no, he is not suitable for you. So she says no to him. She is persuaded into uh, saying no to his offer of marriage. So kick forward with say 10 years and 10 years in the Jane Austen world is a very long time. Mm-hmm. And the family are a bit broke and he comes back into their lives and he is obviously angry with her and she sees him looking to marry someone else. He's done very well in in the Navy and he's now a captain. He's Captain Wentworth. Mm -hmm. And you can see basically that she is going, I wish I had my chance again. I wish I wasn't persuaded. And it's about this sort of slow love story and her watching from afar while he seems to fall in love with other people. And is it a movie on Netflix or it's a series? Yeah, no, it's a little, it's a little dinkety movie. It's about an hour and a half. Okay. Fabulous. Yeah, I would. That's my plan for later. So yeah, I am telling you, it is just so much fun. What have you closed the book on? <gasps> closed the book on. I think this is going to sound weird, perhaps, but. Um, I've closed the book on not liking my body in the way I always wanted to. I think when I was younger, I was very affected by the the conditioning that, that women mm-hmm. have put upon them every day to look a particular way mm. and be a particular way. So I think I've finally, at the grand old age of 55, gone, OK, this is it. This is me. I am five foot and uh, I am never going to have very, very long legs and... Um, you know, we, we must move on. And that sounds terribly, it sounds trite on one level. And yet any sort of acceptance with, I think, of our body is, is, is a huge thing. Yeah, I don't think there's a, probably a single person at all who doesn't yeah. go through that, you know. I know. And it, when I say I've closed the book on it, it's, a, you know, our the, the book keeps opening there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the mindset has changed. The mindset has changed. Yeah. It's going... You know, this is great. It's it's working. Um, you know, I was ill for a while. I got chronic fatigue and I was so exhausted. And it made me see 
to mind this thing, this gift that I was given, this body that works. And, yeah. You know, and that's a big thing. I know. I find myself sometimes like I'll give out about parts of my body, like my feet, for example. Don't have the most pretty feet in the world. I have runners on today, thank runners God. On. I just thank looked God. at her but like I, I always say then kind of joking I'm like, but they get me from A to B they do so much for me and I'm so hard on them like you know I know but we do we, we have things and we're very hard on us and yet there was a, a funny thing um, called Wear Sunscreen and it was Baz Luhrmann the director brought this out and it was sort of a talky talking song song, and it came out I don't know probably 20 years ago and it was um, you know wear sunscreen and all these various messages of life you know and uh, be kind to your knees you'll miss them when they're gone mm. <laughs> it was so funny or look after your body it's the most incredible instrument you'll ever own mm. and all these these wonderful things and we go oh I hate my feet or I look at my knees gone yeah. dreadful knees and then I think but you look at their knees I think it's until something happens you don't realise like how much the gift you take for granted I guess you know even yesterday, um, I've said to my boyfriend in the past, I'd say, what's your perfect day? Like, describe it to me. Like, and it's just simple things, you know, like a brunch, a nice day, a nice weather for him watching a match, you know, all this kind of yes. stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, we're pretty close to your perfect day, you know, just as it happened. Like, but he has a massive cut in his leg okay. and it was totally distracting him from the nice day. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've had that recently as well. Like, just if you're in pain at all. Oh, pain like, is. You don't, almost don't factor that stuff in, like that, or if you were sick at all. Like, you. Um, oh, completely. I mean, you know, my best friend, Emma Hannigan, died. Um, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She was a wonderful, wonderful writer. She wrote a wonderful memoir about having cancer, talked to the headscarf. Beautiful, beautiful human being. So strong. In the the last few weeks before her death, she raised about 160,000 euros for um, Breast Cancer Ireland. She was Breast Cancer Ireland ambassador. Just an amazing force of nature. Funny, clever, wonderful writer. Beautiful human being. And she did not get to, to, you know, make old bones. So, Mm. you know, I think when you lose beautiful people, you think, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. And... You know, pain and suffering. There's so many people go through so much. So I, I have to try and go, OK, look, you know, you may not like your knees, but they work. Yeah, no, I know. If you could read one book for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. It would want to be very, very, very big book. And, mm. and I don't know if there's any book big enough. And mm-hmm. I, I've never read, what is it, Proust? Uh, Remembrance of Things Past, which is supposed, to, which is an absolute brick, and I haven't read that. But I, you know, I don't know. I just actually don't know. I think I'd probably be better if someone gave me a lot of uh, little notebooks and a few pencils and said, "You can write for the rest of your life." Mm. I think that would work better. You can for take me. that answer. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, what is your next chapter? My next chapter, well, I'm working on book number 23, which doesn't have a title. I'm very bad. So it's cunningly called book 23. Um, I'm still doing some publicity for, for uh, the wedding party. And um, then my boys will be going off to college. I've got to get them all sorted out. I am going to de-junk my study because it is like several bombs landed in <laughs> it. Um, and... Yeah, that is onwards and upwards. And I, my marriage broke down, you know, um, in uh, during COVID. And I've now met somebody absolutely lovely. So a new, very exciting chapter. A new chapter, exactly. Yeah. 
And have you have you got the plot ready for 23 or is that going to Oh no, I have the plot ready, but every time I look at it, I go, I'm not sure about this. I think I'll change it. It's really weird. It's, you know, it's a bit like going out to something special and you put on an outfit and you go, nope, and you rip it off and fling it on the bed so that when yeah. you come back later, there's 17 outfits on the bed. Totally. I don't know. Do you do that or is it just Oh yeah, me? no, no, I yeah. do that. Especially like, I find when you're in periods of transition as well, <laughs> you're like, right, that sounded good about two weeks ago, but now, no. You yeah, know. completely. Oh my God. And you end up with the floored robe when you're flinging them and then you come back later and you go, oh my God, the place. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I have the, the, you know, the plot and I'm working on it and then I have an idea and I go, brilliant idea. And then a week later, I go, no, that's dreadful. That, well, that's thrown out. I'm very excited for the next book and I'm sure it's going to be even, you know, it's going to be different because of everything that's happening in your own life and everything you're going to be It, it is going to be different and, and fun and, and hopefully that women will read it and, and will feel, you know, connected with, with life and themselves and each other because we are our best support women. Yeah. Why do you write? Um, is that why? I No, I couldn't not write. I've always, I've you know, I think... I think in stories when I was little I used to tell my sister stories in bed so it's just I, I just sort of can't not do it mm. it's just sort of like breathing and what's the most rewarding thing about about the books that you've written um, when people you know email me and they say that helped me through something mm. that is the most amazing thing you know when you actually touch someone and they want to get in touch with you and say that that helped me yeah. through a difficult time. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah, I always feel like I learn stuff. Oh, from... oh, of course you do. Yeah. You're learning so much all the time. The belief is that men read to to learn about specific things, whereas women read to learn emotionally. Mm. I don't know how correct that is or not. Well, your twenty second book, The Wedding Party, has four amazing different characters, sisters, which I'm sure we can learn a lot from. And I'm very excited for everybody who can get their hands on it this week. So thank you so much for oh. joining today and for being so open with oh, us. Oh, Louise, darling, you are just such an angel. You're such a wonderful ambassador for women. You're just amazing. Oh, thank you. Look at you. And I, I, I can't believe there's anything wrong with your feet. <laughs> She's wearing trainers. I mean, like if I'm letting my dodgy feet out with my own home done peddy, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining and for being your hilarious self. And I'm so excited for you for everything that's to come. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Open Book. You can find Cathy's book, The Wedding Party, in all Irish retailers. And as always, the books discussed and recommended can be found in the podcast description. I hate to ask this part, but if you can, please rate, share and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. It will really help us grow and find more listeners. You can find me on Instagram as Louise Cooney and you can email us at info at goloudnow.com. Thank you so much for listening, readers. Talk to you next week. Bye.